Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Angry Christian Podcast. This is officially episode four of the podcast. Um, and just so you know, guys, I told you guys this earlier today, but we officially hit 750 downloads of our podcast. Um, and we've, we haven't even gotten to our fourth full episode yet. This is the fourth full episode. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, I think that's, um, in my opinion... I think that's just an indicator that this is a topic that people are, are wanting to hear about and discuss. So I think it's really cool that we're getting people um, listening in on it. And I'm sure maybe later we can uh, uh, find out some personal testimonies. I know Jonathan mentioned a few people um, that have been listening that have personally told him that they really enjoy the show. Uh, maybe we can give some shout outs. Uh, later that might be something we could do or work into the show in future episodes that if you leave a review for us maybe just maybe we will do a uh, shout out on our next episode just throwing that out there um anyway so uh just a few things i wanted to kind of draw your attention to we do have a blog at eagerfortruth.com um eagerfortruth.com is where we house uh, both our blog articles um, that like myself and Brian and some others, right, including my wife, um, although she's only written one, so I'm going to have to get on top of her about that one. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but it's also where we house our podcast, so you can actually go there and see all of our past episodes. Um, if you don't have access to like Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or Pandora or iHeartRadio or any of the other popular platforms, um, you may find that the website is a very handy um, way to get a hold of those podcasts. Um, we also have a t-shirt store, which is really cool. We've designed some hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs uh, with our wonderful, wonderful catchphrase, Don't Be Angry, written across the chest. Um, and you can display that everywhere you go. I know Brian's ordered one. I've ordered one. Jonathan's ordered one. Michael is sadly lacking, and so is Robert. So we're going to have to work on those guys about being a true supporter of the show um <laughs> I, i'm trying i'm trying to get to my nominal weight before i make a purchase <laughs> oh i see well if you if i don't know what they're like i don't know if they're pre-shrunk um but uh well, see i need this information what are you doing here i'll tell you what uh brian ordered an extra large i ordered an, a large and I, we both got hoodies so if you're wanting a hoodie uh, we will let you know how they fit Okay. Perfect. Cool. That's, so you've you've justified my excuses. Thank you. Boom. No problem. Uh, so the t-shirt store for anybody who's curious um, is at teespring.com. You can just look it up by the Angry Christian Podcast. Um, but every dollar that you spend there, uh, that we make off of those t-shirts, uh, hoodies, and mugs, actually will be going back to the podcast. One hundred percent of that, uh, so that we can actually you know, try to upgrade our equipment and find ways to improve our content and the way that we produce. So you would be supporting in a very tangible way, the angry Christian podcast. So if you do happen to do that, we just want to say a big thank you to you. Um, and also we have several social media sites, Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can follow us there and you'll, you'll stay up to date on all of our, our wonderful, um, uh, you know, posts that we do about uh, Bible verses. I know Brian posted an article, or no, you didn't post an article, but you posted something today about uh, another incident that took place uh, where a lady was shot in her own home by a cop. Um, so we're, we're posting various things. We're not just, you know, posting um, 
little pictures and memes, but we are trying to post uh, content that is relevant and uh, not just to being angry Christians, but to our culture and what we may be seeing going on today. So uh, just invite you to go out to that. Um, anyway, so today is episode four. As mentioned earlier, this is Don't Bite the Shepherd. Uh, in our first episode or the previous episode of this was episode three, which was Don't Beat the Sheep. And that was primarily focusing on the actions and the behaviors of churches, uh, church leaders, sorry, church leaders and pastors as they relate to uh, the members of the church. And, you know, as you know, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, the leaders of both Israel and the church were often referred to as shepherds. And uh, we read from Ezekiel um, chapter 34, where God was a little miffed with the leaders of Israel about their treatment of the sheep of the of the rest of Israel that were not the leaders of Israel, and uh, we we likened it to how um, how that can relate to being a church leader and how God would feel probably if we were to abuse and mistreat uh, the church members as pastors. Um, on that episode, I had Robert Platt with me, who is another host of the podcast, who couldn't make it tonight. He is, he's stuck on a job. So just a quick shout out to him. Sorry you can't make it, buddy. Um, maybe next time. I was really hoping this is going to be the one episode we get everybody on here. Um, but it ended up not being the case. Anyway, uh, in this particular episode, we're calling it Don't Bite the Shepherd because we want to take this from the other angle. So now we're talking about how church people treat pastors and church leaders. Uh, so this is what I would refer to as the opposite side of the coin. There's two sides of this coin. One is the church leaders and pastors, and the other side is everybody else in the church. Um, and and we're one coin, we're the church, we're the body, and there is a relationship between us that must take place. And, um, you know, the Bible's pretty clear on how we ought to treat one another, but oftentimes uh, we find churches getting into these little arguments and spats over silly things and shepherds are beating the sheep and sheep are biting the shepherd. And uh, really that's just what we're trying to focus on is how we can uh, overcome those things, how we can be a little more conscious of those things and try not to find ourselves in those silly positions. Um, I can tell you from experience, I've been in the ministry uh, both as a youth pastor a worship pastor, and for a short time, a campus pastor of a church. Um, and more it was more like an associate pastor type role. But in those roles, um, over the last um, 15 or 16 years, I've had a lot of experiences. Um, Jonathan, you and I were together in two of my churches. Um, and so I don't know if you probably saw a lot of the things that I ever experienced. You probably heard them uh, secondhand, <laughs> secondhanded. Uh, you probably didn't see them uh, up front, but I know that when I was in our church in North Carolina, I had some very interesting experiences there um, <laughs> where uh, I was accused of all sorts of things. Um, I was a young guy. I was brought up there 25 years old. Um, the intention uh, that I was and the purpose I was told that I was being brought there was to help kind of usher in younger generations and bring some change to the church. It was an older church and they were just looking for a way to kind of reach out to the younger generations. Typical, um, you know, arguments that churches make about bringing in younger pastors. And I was initially hired as the worship guy. Uh, eventually the lady who was doing the youth ministry, she got married 
and moved away. So I ended up taking over doing the youth as well. Um, but during that time, I was accused of, especially in the, I don't think I was accused of very much with the youth. I think they were content with that. But when it came to the music, when it came to the worship services, um, I, along with the pastor, the senior pastor, were actually accused of trying to um, basically destroy the church. Um, we were told, I was told specifically that I hated old people. Um, and it at a time in my life, there probably was a moment where I didn't like old people very much, um, if I was to be perfectly honest. But this church was not necessarily one of those churches where I didn't like old people, but I was accused of it because of the type of things that the pastor and I were trying to introduce. Um, I was even accused one time of stealing a key. Um, I'm not even sure why or how, um, but there were many experiences like that. I was also accused. I one time set up, and Jonathan, you probably remember this. I set set up a um, a worship team. Uh, I don't want to call it a contract, but it was like a, it was a document that basically said, these are the things that we're committing to as a worship ministry. And as a part of that, I agree with these things and I'm going to um, I did have them sign it, but I wanted them to sign it just as a form of commitment. And I got accused of basically trying to get them to sign their souls away. I was actually told that one time. Um, yeah. So as you can imagine, um, those were fun experiences. I could go on pretty much with similar experiences in every single church I've ever served in. Um, and I'll, it's really tough. Um, and you guys, you're, you've never like Michael, Brian, you, you served in, um, what do you do? You, you do sound at your church. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of media production. So, right. That's the sound, the recording of the sermon, posting that stuff. Right. Um, getting into doing video stuff for them. They have extra mm -hmm. stuff that they do outside of the church. I record that for them. Yeah. And doing sound, I'm sure you hear a lot about the volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Michael, I know that your dad's a pastor. He is. And I was a youth pastor at a Methodist church for a while. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. So you have actually the served. One that, yeah. Right. The one that fired me by, fired me by mail. After I talked to the pastor that same day. Yeah, that's right. See, that's another. That's not oh. a. That's not a sheep biting the shepherd. That's a shepherd beating the other shepherd. <laughs> well, no, he was behind me. It was the rest of the church that didn't like. Uh, oh, like so my, was... my approach to worship. We'll, we'll put it that way. So what happened was you had a zombie herd of sheep who went ape on you and and didn't like how you worshipped. I, I preached a message from scripture about worship and, mm. uh, and yeah, that didn't go over well. Uh, Let me guess. Was it second Samuel <laughs> chapter six? There was, uh, I think that was part of it. Honestly, it was so long back. I don't remember, Man, but, uh, there, there were, there were quite a few, uh, different ones in there. So yeah, yeah. Actually second Samuel chapter. Yeah. That was part of it. You know, talking yeah. about David with the, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Undignified. Yeah. Oh, it was undignified. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't go over well. No, no, I can imagine that went over about like a lead balloon. Um, yeah. And so you have served in ministry. Um, and I know that, you know, Brian, even though you, you're not necessarily wearing a specific title, you, you're doing ministry in your church. And so 
um, and you're you're visible and you have some influence. So I'm I'm almost ninety nine percent sure um, that you're if you haven't already going to experience some sheep bites. Um, and I'm not saying that to scare you. Um, no, you're just telling the truth. Yeah, I'm just being real, just being raw. Um, people are people. Yeah, that's right. People are people. For better or for worse, people are people. And um, it's even harder in church when we feel like that these are people who should technically know better. Um, at least in our minds, we're thinking, hey, these people should know better. These are church people. They they got Jesus in them. Why are they acting this way? Um, but sadly, uh, that is not often the case. Um, there's a lot of people that have different ideas of what the, the structure of worship should look like in a corporate setting. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, there are things that can just go wrong and, or things just go in a way that doesn't suit everybody's taste and they'll have something to say about it when they really don't understand the intricacies of everything that's going on, the, uh, the planning, the prayer and everything that goes into preparing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know we're, we're fallible creatures. It's just it's not going to go off perfectly every time. No, and no. we're not going to agree on everything. <laughs> no, it's not. In fact, I was just thinking, bringing that up. Um, uh, we did at our church last night our small group, which we call Mission Communities. We actually went and provided meals for the single mothers in our church, um, and so they do this like Sunday night ministry where they have speakers come and they provide some child care for the children to give the mothers a break and then we provide a meal so that they're they can eat and their kids can eat uh, without having to worry about making a meal on a sunday night um but i was in a discussion with one of the guys who's in our mission community and we were talking about just the constant he he helps run sound and do some things at that particular campus so we have two campuses across the area and he was just talking about how uh, they've they've been running into some fun issues with volume control and some folks who've who've um, voiced some uh, displeasure with the volume. And um, I told him, I said, "Man, I said I've been doing music ministry since 2002, and I've been in several churches across two different states." in multiple denominations and non-denominations. And I just here to tell you, every single church has that problem. Every single church, even the ones with just a choir. It's amazing the, the things people will get so hung up on and so focused on. Um, and when you're the guy who's over that, you're the guy who's trying to make sure it's all going smoothly. And every Sunday you're about to get up on stage and somebody comes up to you and they tell you, um, they're mad at you about something or they you come off the stage and then they want to tell you how you messed up um, that day. It really makes it difficult for you to want to keep um, doing it. <laughs> um, yeah. this, I wish I was on the, the last episode because it's something that I wanted to share since I'm in the hot seat. Uh, oh. My position, you're you're kind of you're invisible until something goes wrong. Oh, yeah. And then you catch the criticism. Other than that, it's like you're not even there. That's so true. I want this. This is a word to shepherds. If you can't keep your a supporting team, that's why. <laughs> you get a lot of criticism and very, very little praise. 
That's true. Um, I know that it's it's real easy to forget about your your supporting team um, because it just becomes a part of you know the everyday normal. Um, but like you said, um, the sound guy is always the guy that everybody turns and looks at when something is squealing or or going crazy. Um, they always look at you and go and throw up the hands and they give you the, what's going on, man? Why aren't you fixing this? As if the, the thoughts aren't already racing through your brain about what's wrong. Yeah. Um, we you know, those. let's be honest though. When that happens, they're not looking at the sound guy. They're just looking at whoever. Uh, it's hilarious when it happens because everybody looks back like they know who they're actually looking at. Nobody has a clue who's back there. <laughs> I, I'm just a lights guy, man. I have no idea what the sound you just, you just see everybody's head do a uh, do an exorcist thing. Like, oh. It is funny. You can almost guarantee it's going to happen. I should videotape it sometime. Um, and just we had a sound guy once who uh, did sound professionally for a few bands back in the decades, and he actually purchased a shirt while he was with us that said, "Yes, I'm the sound guy. Everything is my fault." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Yes, I am the sound guy. Um, I, uh, that's man. Why didn't I think of something like that? I need something like that. Yes, I am the worship guy. Get over it. Um, but uh, as a as a result, I, I I know that not just the supporting staff, but the pastors, church leaders, elders, deacons, anybody who's in any sort of influential role. When you're you're constantly pounding it out and trying to serve others and and do things, and all you receive back is criticism, or you receive insults, or you receive um, just negative stuff all the time, it really is draining. Um, you know that was that was probably the biggest thing for me when we were in North Carolina. Um, of at the church with Jonathan wasn't so much the people being evil as much as it, it just felt like it was a constant negativity being directed at the things that we were trying to accomplish, that we were trying to help them move in a direction that would help them grow and be effective as a church um, in that community. So um, it kind of makes me think about this particular passage that um, Paul was writing. It says this, Hebrews 13, 17. Now, I'll, I'll precursor this. When I'm, 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 what I'm about to read, it often gets abused by church leaders because they want to use this as a cudgel to make everybody just do what they say. Um, but at the same time, I think this is really a, a, an important revelation that Paul's giving to them about the difficulties of being in ministry. And you'll see what I mean when I read it. It says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will give account, uh, sorry, for, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Um, <laughs> you might be able to see how this might could be used as a cudgel, the part where it says, obey your leaders and submit to them, right? You can read it as a command. Paul is giving a command to the members of the church in uh, where who is it? Obviously, it's not the Hebrews uh, that this this is directed at. But um, I'm trying to remember who the the actual audience of the Book of Hebrews is. This is why we are not the theologians. This is why we have Google. <laughs> That's true. Let's see Google. 
I, I can't say Alexa out loud because she might actually come on. <laughs> she already heard you. That's why I'm whispering. Because she is hearing me. She's creepy and she follows me around the house. Audience of the uh, book of Hebrews. Here we go. It was to what? the, the Hebrews. The Hebrews. No, yes. um, <laughs> it, it actually I wasn't going to say anything. But... It actually is written to the Jews, which were all Hebrews. So, yeah. So, yes, it <laughs> was written to the Hebrews. Sometimes the obvious is true. Um, and you don't just go, well, it couldn't possibly actually be the Jews and Hebrews since it says Hebrews. But uh, I should have listened more in that class in college. Anyway, um, there was a coffee shop called Hebrews. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> I didn't do it. They did it. <laughs> I've seen a lot of them actually in actual churches that have coffee shops in the church. Oh. It's the Hebrews coffee. No, it's not. It's Starbucks coffee, and you just slapped a different label on it. <laughs> Which means it's not real coffee in the first place. No. Oh, then it, I heard some then, people. Then it's evil coffee. Um, I'm just kidding. It's possessed coffee. So I'm sorry. I'm a black coffee drinker. That stuff is a sin in itself. For the cease and desist letter, please send the P.O. box. <laughs> He's going to do that every time we mention something that's copyrighted. Um, last time it was Dungeons and Dragons. Dang it. Um, did it again. Oh, I meant, I meant store books. Store books. Yes. Yeah, the Iranian I, version. Yeah, and I meant um, jail sales and lizards. No. Basements yeah. and dinosaurs. Come on. There you go. Basements and dinosaurs. Ooh. I, I bought that at five below. That's gonna be a t shirt on this on the store now. <laughs> <laughs> we like to talk about basements and dinosaurs. Um in the inside out. Mm. Oh, I see what you did there. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Now we have completely derailed. Let's come back. Uh, so the book of Hebrews, which was written to the Hebrews, which were the Jews, written by Paul, he's actually talking to them about you know, them submitting to leaders and obeying them, not so much because they are dictators who were there to uh, control their every aspect, but you know, he follows up by saying, you know, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. So basically, um, if the church people, a.k.a. the sheep, would not bite the shepherd, the shepherd would have a much better time being a shepherd if he wasn't having to fend himself off against the sheep all the time. Well, keep in mind, too, what this was directed at. I mean, the, when we talk about the Hebrews in Jerusalem, which was this was, this was written to, these are Hebrew, Hebrew Christians. Um, they're already facing crazy persecution. Actually, uh, Paul's work that he was doing before he was converted on the road to Damascus, that work didn't stop just because Paul stopped. There right. were there were many more uh, unconverted Pauls out there killing Christians. And so you had a group of Hebrew believers in Jerusalem 
who right. were discouraged, beat down, uh, fearing for their lives, they were in real dire straits. And so Paul is trying to encourage them and saying, look, you think you've got it hard. These people are over you, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and they're doubly responsible for you and you're not making it easy for them. No, no. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, I, I try not to, um, try not to put myself into the picture so much because, you know, it was a slightly different time then, but at the same time, they're still human beings. And I can guarantee you now they didn't have to deal with sound systems. Um, but they probably were dealing with frustrations with, well, Paul isn't visiting the sick enough. Exactly. Uh, you know, Peter isn't um, preaching the things I want to hear. You know, I want to, I want to hear more about, uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000, but Peter keeps talking about sin. I wish you would stop talking about that sin stuff. Um, Paul's spending too much time with them Gentiles. That's right. Ooh. Ooh. Watch out. You might start stepping on some toes. <laughs> Paul's over there hanging out with those, those uncircumcised people. <laughs> Actually, that was something they said. Um, and that caused quite a bit of ruckus between Paul and Peter. Um, and so there was a knockdown drag out fight between two shepherds, which man, I would have put some bets on Paul. Just saying. I don't know. Fish, fisherman versus tent maker. I don't know. I'm going with the fisherman. And Paul had other people do his dirty work. He kind of just watched. So I don't know if he pulled his own or not. Whoa. True story. Plus, I think Paul was bald. So I don't know what that has to do with anything, but. I'm sure it adds <laughs> to the picture. Do you have some sort of bald phobia? Let's, let's uh, break this down. Bald phobia. Any bears in your area? Uh, <laughs> that was Elijah, not Paul. <laughs> I thought it was John Candy in the Great Outdoors. Oh. <laughs> or, or maybe it was uh, what's his name, Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie he oh, did recently. Oh, getting dark now. Oh. Yeah, where he got com- completely mutilated by the. <laughs> And still survived. How does this happen? Um, oh, the revenant. Yeah, my boss was telling me about that scene, and it just sounded painful. Uh, I told him, I was like, well, I don't have to watch the movie now. Thank you. Yeah, they uh, patched Leonardo DiCaprio up real, real well. He's yeah, doing well. He's doing a lot better. He went on to make some additional movies after that bear attack. Hmm. Um, it was more than a bear attack, according to what I've heard about that scene. <laughs> Is that the movie where he finally got the award he's been chasing? Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The one he didn't get from Titanic. So Titanic, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next on Movie Reviews. Oh, wrong podcast, my bad. Yeah, that, that'll be Christian Movie Reviews. Um, don't watch The Revenant, the language is terrible. Um, it's no. Christian Movie Reviews that only lasts about 10 episodes. <laughs> oh. wow. Don't watch this, 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 and this. <laughs> That's harsh. That we can only harsh. review Fireproof so many times. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is brutal. Jonathan, I think we need to insert some quote from Kirk Cameron at that point. Shut up! I'm sick of you! 
you disrespectful, ungrateful, selfish podcasters. <laughs> I'm sure there's something from the movie we can throw in there. Kurt, I don't condone this. Please don't send your entourage after me. No, it's cool. He and Ray Comfort couldn't hurt anybody. Uh, actually, look, I probably own most of these movies. <laughs> hey, look, Fireproof is straight up awesome. I'm not going to lie. I, I was going to say, I actually saw Kurt Cameron stare down a gang member in Los Angeles one time. That is straight up. Like, he was in there. He had four gang guys around. He was sharing the gospel on the street. And he was talking to this one guy specifically and this other dude who's completely covered in tats without a shirt. Looks like he probably has something hidden in his shorts, you know, that he's going to pull out any second. And he keeps like butting in and Kirk Cameron totally turns around, like puts his finger in his face. He's like, I will get to you in a minute. You wait your turn. And he turns back. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> and, and the dude's like, whoa, yeah, okay. And then <laughs> nobody messes with Mike Seaver. He went on. And the crazy thing is, is the guy he was actually talking to that the other guy kept interrupting in between, that guy ended up becoming a Christian and is now a preacher. Awesome. But he, was, he, he was in that gang. But yeah, I, I say all that to say that Kirk Cameron's a lot more hardcore than he gets credit for. Um, anybody that's going to look at a gang member and tell them, uh, you wait your turn. I'll get to you in a minute. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, Would you say Kirk was angry? <laughs> I don't think he's an was angry Kirk Christian. An angry Christian? No. No, he said it with quite um, quite the uh, sternness, but it wasn't angry. It was like... Um, Pastoral clarity, yeah. Yeah, it was like a father whose kid keeps interrupting him, and he's like, son, if you just give me a minute, I'll get to you. Just We might just need wait. him on this podcast. All right. Um, anybody know Kirk Cameron that would like to give him a call? Uh, I'll, I'll tweet him, see what that gets us. Dude, that would, if you do, let me know, because I totally, totally tagged... Um, What's his name? Um, oh, good. What's his name? Oh, that's hopefully this person doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that write that wrote "Blue on Black," um, Kenny Wayne Shepard. Kenny Wayne Shepard. Yeah. yeah. I tagged him one time in a post. I said, "What happened to Kenny Wayne Shepard?" He's like, "I'm right here. I'm still rocking out." He totally responded to me. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm right here. Then I was like. Oh, snap. Kenny Wayne Shepherd responded to me. <laughs> and then Michael Levert's like, he totally responded to you. And I was like, yep. Yeah, that was the last time, too. Um, no, let's get back on track now that we've completely gone into... <laughs> Paul was speaking to the Hebrews. To the Hebrews. But we're in Paul. Jerusalem. <laughs> yes. Yes, possibly, Paul. Or a ghost yes. writer. Yes. So clearly... Things were going on. Things things were being said, uh, and it was making it difficult for people like even Paul to to minister with what he is saying, joy, right? Right. Well, based on some of the things that are written prior to this, uh, the the Christians there were trying to find ways around the persecution because it was getting too hot to handle. So they were actually considering going back to Judaism and kind of living secretly um, mm. behind the scenes and. Paul was trying to stave that off. Now, you take that to where we're at today, and we talk about sound and all. I mean, they were really facing some serious stuff, you know. There's really sure. contention, contention there. So, yeah. you you know, people in, in stressful situations like that, you're like, oh, we should, you know, maybe they deserve a pass. And Paul's like, no. <laughs> you know, you you got, you got to get together. you got to lay off these people because they have a bigger responsibility. So it should be even doubly so for us. 
in our easy lifestyle that we've got here, particularly in the United States. It's unfortunate that 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 the church can get so sidetracked by certain things. Um, I, I just think about, you know, the things that could matter, you know, get completely derailed by things that don't matter. Um, I, I, you know, how many churches can honestly say that they were established or founded in a, in a strictly pure way and not through a church split? How many existing uh, not, churches? Not very many. And, and mainly it's the super old ones, you know. Exactly. Which we're not saying that to, to down on the older churches. I think the older established churches were there, you know, for years and have, and have done. Um, well, yeah, most going back the to the, the first or second great awakening. Right. But I can tell you, like the church in North Carolina that I was a part of, that church was founded like 50 plus years ago over a church split. Um, I know that the church, the last church I was a part of, was effectively founded on a church split. Um, and, and most of those splits are not biblical in my. And I mean, uh, this is strictly my opinion. I w- I don't have hard data on this, but <laughs> out of the church splits that I have been uh, privy to, most church splits are not biblical. I would agree with that. I would agree with that because in nine times out of ten, when you listen to their uh, discussions about those splits, very rarely, if ever, was an attempt made to um, restore, redeem, or you know, rectify the situation. It was like exactly. You know, we got to a place where we just didn't like each other, and so this guy left and he started a new church because. Uh, he didn't want to take it anymore from this church, and half the church went with him because they liked him, and they didn't like the other half of the church. And it was like, you know, I know arguments happened in the in the New Testament. Think about like Paul and Barnabas, right? They had a little bit of a a breakup um, over a guy named John Mark, um, but that wasn't the same thing as like establishing a church and then that church body completely breaking up over something dumb. Exactly. The color of the carpet. Or, you know, I've actually, churches have broken up over literally the color of the carpet or modifications to the building that they didn't like. Or, you know, and all these things oftentimes were directed at the pastor because he was potentially the, you know, the leader of the change, the guy trying to make the the moves. Um and I think, like in the Baptist Church, I think a lot of this could have been mitigated. I just say Baptist Church because that's the one I spent most of my time in the Southern Baptist Church, and most of the guys on the podcast grew up Baptist or have been a part of Baptist churches. Um, I just think with the governmental structure of the church and the way that the, specifically the Southern Baptist Church is designed, it, there's there's so much focus placed on autonomy of the church body that outside voices or outside accountability. Um, is not allowed in unless invited in. You talk, are you talking about from a uh, like from the Southern Baptist Convention itself? Is that what you're you're meaning by outside yeah. accountability? Yeah. Oh, so so like uh, you you know they have directors of missions who are like these right, guys right. who oversee an association, which association is 
Episcopal churches within a certain geographical location that all, you know, supposedly get together once a month for a get together, usually prayer, breakfast, mostly breakfast, um, you know, and they talk about their churches. But this DOM is effectively just facilitating these breakfasts and little events that go on for the association. He has zero authority or accountability that he could bring to the churches within that association. If there's a church going off the the tracks and they're attacking the pastor or the pastor's going after the, the sheep, he has no power to step in there and say, guys, it's getting out of control in here. Right. Like, yeah. None. So what happens is these church bodies are left to themselves to, to, rectify their disagreements yeah and they end up cannibalizing each other yeah exactly this is probably where these splits are coming from i would agree i would agree oh without a doubt there's three or four around my area specifically that i know for sure and you know most like you say uh color of the carpet most of them end up being based on worship style yeah, uh, you, know, you know, uh, Ethel wants to rock with disciple and, uh, <laughs> Ethel, and, <laughs> Ethel, yeah. 80 year old Ethel. She, she's a hard rocking disciple fan, man. She I like Ethel party. And, uh, and then Bertha, you know, she's, uh, casting crowns all the way or, or oh. you know, but, uh, Hey, Gaither like vocal band. Come on now. It's I, I, I give them all cred, man. All I'm, I'm, I'm bluegrass rock and rap. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> Dirt, dirty South. That's me. Oh, um, man. I can't listen to Gaither Vocal Band. <laughs> oh, come on. You got you to like, uh, what's his name? Mark. Uh, Mark Lowry. Uh, Mark Lowry. Yeah. Yeah. I like him as a comedian. That's about where he it makes stops. it all come together. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, worship style and what that comes down to it ultimately. And I, my wife and I have talked about this a little bit uh, because we're guilty of it too in a lot of ways with certain little things. It's, hey, this little detail is affecting my personal worship experience. Mm. It's affecting my... We, we tie worship experience too much to feeling. And when, when, like the sound, if the sound is too loud or too soft, it affects my feelings when I'm singing to God. Therefore, it must be messed up and something must be done to right this this horrible wrong that was done to me because my worship experience wasn't what I wanted it to be. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The color of the carpet messed with me when I walked in the door. I was upset about it. It affected my personal worship experience. Yeah. It's selfish. It it's is. all selfish. Which, man, if, if everybody could be... So back in 2004, I was on staff as the worship leader and past, youth pastor at an Episcopal church. Um there was a little old lady who was in her 90s at the time, and I guarantee you she's probably not alive today. If she is, she's kicking it in the hundreds, um, which is awesome if she is. Um, but I remember she used to sit on the front row with another older lady. And at the time, I like I said, she was like 92, 93 years old. And she would sit there, and when the worship started, I would lead with an electric guitar, and she would pull out cotton balls. <laughs> And I used to get so mad. I'd be like, what? This lady's putting cotton balls in her ears? Doesn't she know that what is emanating from my guitar is God's chords? <laughs> <laughs> heard there was a secret chord that Brad played in the piece of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, throw that in there. Um, uh, you know, so I used to just get so offended. 
But then she messed me up, man. She messed me up bad. I came off stage one Sunday and she came over to me and she goes, Brad, I just wanted to talk. And I said, I I was waiting for it, right? I was waiting for the slam. I was like, here it comes. Here comes the lady with the cotton balls. And she goes, Brad, I just wanted to tell you that I really appreciate you and I appreciate what you're bringing to this church. She goes, now, she goes, I'll be honest, I'm old and the music is too loud for me. She goes, but that's why I bring the cotton balls because I'd rather stick cotton balls on my ears than to tell you to turn it down. See, that's right there. And she said the reason she does that is because when she looks around the room and she sees the younger generations worshiping, that it's all worth it and that for her, uh, the sacrifice of putting cotton balls in her ears and her tasted music is far is far over surpassed where it's far surpassed that's a, than being that that's a saint's mindset see exactly that, that's awesome that's awesome exactly and then the lady beside her is like yeah yeah so i got these two old ladies in my church at the time who were actually my biggest fans but not because of the music i was playing but because they were seeing younger generations being led in worship and that was what was important to them which is what should be important to all of us, not necessarily just the younger generations, but well, just yeah, seeing I mean, the church that's and a, worship. Yeah, I, we go to the, uh, we have a, they call it a praise team. I think everything's a praise team in my opinion. I mean, I've got some <laughs> odd views on what, what's called worship leading and so on and so forth. But Old uh, fart. We can get into that later. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but see, I don't let that drive what's going on. We go and we support the praise team, which isn't my cup of tea. I like something a little heavier, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, but we go because it's about that corporate worship and fellowship with one another, not about, Hey, Michael, let's make it all comfortable for you. Let me right. tell you the, the most, the best worship I've ever been involved in. No joke. The best just sold out worship. I didn't even understand the words. To it. I was in Ghana, uh, <laughs> listening to Fonty worship. Uh, you know, surrounded by believers that, that had to walk to get to where we were at, you know, mm-hmm. we got the cushy bus, everybody else had to walk miles to get to where we were at, and they were just sold out. I mm-hmm. mean, just sold out. And that was the best worship experience I've ever been in because it wasn't about the style of music, it wasn't about anything except being together to celebrate the Lord. Yeah. There wasn't even any air conditioning. Yeah. And in Ghana, it's rather hot. Yeah. And so, and that's, I think that's what's so important. And that what's, that's what uh, separates, you know, healthy churches from unhealthy churches is when the sheep have the right mindset that they're not there to fatten up on their, whatever it is that their, you know, preferences dictate, but that they're there to participate in a church body that together brings together something that can't be done by themselves. You know, it completely changes the atmosphere of, right. of a church, you know, cause I've been in other experiences where, you know, you know, I'll give another experience. Like, so after that Episcopal church, um, I went on to be a full-time youth pastor at my first Southern Baptist church. And it just so happened to be the first Baptist church. Um, which anybody in the Baptist church knows is probably stepping into a hornet's nest. Any first Baptist church is a hornet's nest. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, But 
it's because they were there first. And uh, there was this one lady who was apparently miffed at me for how I dressed coming to church. Um, I'll set the scene. So typically, I would I was the youth pastor, only youth pastor, and I would come to church in khakis, usually a button-up shirt, and on occasion, when it was nice outside, I would wear flip-flops instead of shoes. Um, and right there, you're probably already guessing what she had a problem with. Um, she had a problem with the shoes that I wore, which were um, Air Jesuses, you know? And uh, so she had this issue with the way I dressed. I didn't find out until Easter Sunday. And here's how I found out. The worship leader had asked me to play my trumpet on the um, orchestra for the, the choir special or the choir cantata, whatever they did for Easter. And as a part of that, I had to wear a, a tuxedo. So I had to wear like the suit and bow tie and shiny black shoes and um, cummerbund and all that fun stuff. And I remember getting done with the, the service and she came up to me and she was beaming. I mean, big smiles. Um, up to that point, she'd always give me like dirty looks and I never understood why, but she was beaming and she goes, Oh my goodness, Brad, I just wanted to let you know that, that you just looked so handsome today. And I said, well, I, I, I appreciate that. And she couldn't leave it there. She couldn't leave it there. She goes, I mean, you look like you could actually worship Jesus today. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I would have said anything to that, but my face would have said a lot of things. Oh, I'll tell you what I said. It wasn't good. Um, that was definitely one of my sheep beating moments. Um, I I just turned and looked at her and I said, oh, I, I didn't realize that I had to dress a certain way to be able to worship. Um I didn't realize that that was a requirement where can you show me in the Bible where um, I have to dress a certain way to, to worship and, or that I have to even be in a specific place or building to worship. I, I didn't know that these were requirements. And um, she was just like, that's not what I meant. I said, no, ma'am, that is exactly what you said. You said, I look like I could actually worship Jesus. So you were indicating that at some point I wasn't actually worshiping Jesus because I was dressed a certain way that you did not approve of. Um, and she goes, well, you just, you show up to church in flip-flops. I said, a lot like those high heel shoes you're wearing. <laughs> I said, I'm showing just as much foot as you are. And um, I said, why is it okay for you? I said, if I put high heels on, are you going to be less mad at me? And then she goes, you're just, you're teaching the youth all these wrong things. I said, no, ma'am. I said, it's not my responsibility to teach your kid how to dress. Um, uh, my job is to teach them what God has to say about them and the church and the, and the Bible um, and, and how that relates to life. You know, uh, who dresses them in the morning is entirely up to you and them, not me. Um, and she was just like, oh, and she just stormed off. And, and then I found out later that the, like the next Sunday, her entire Sunday school class basically voted to kick me out of the church. <laughs> you should be honored. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen, but you I unified had, them. Yeah, I think I ended up having to go. Yeah, I did. I think I ended up having to go to the classroom and like try to talk to them and be like, hey, guys, I know seems to hate the youth pastor today um 
I'm sorry that you're immature and unable to be adults about this. So um, I'm sorry. Yeah. So. Well, I know I know how you can you can sew things up with her. Uh, you can buy her a pair of these new Nike Air Max 97 Jesus shoes. They're Ooh. only four thousand dollars. They're filled with holy water, so you can walk on water like Jesus. Oh my goodness! It's a real thing. I'm not joking. It's an actual shoe. Four thousand dollars for a holy water shoe. Is the Catholic Church, <laughs> Catholic Church selling these? Uh, Nike is selling these. On behalf of the Catholic Church. On I'm behalf just... of the Catholic Church, yes. <laughs> now for breaking news, we are opening a Patreon for donations to buy the shoes. <laughs> we've got to do this for Brad. We've got we've got to send this lady these shoes for Brad. Oh, it also has Matthew fourteen twenty five on there. So there's that. I don't even know if she's still alive, man, because she was old too. She was like that ninety year old lady. Um, she was not happy. Um, I just she stole. <laughs> I don't think those shoes would make her happy either. Um. <laughs> That that set in motion a lot of things at that church, apparently. And um, yeah, so I mean, that's just that's just you see the difference of uh, uh, two ladies, a part of the same sim or at least similar generation regarding worship. Both of them had completely different outlooks on it. One was was making it a joy for me to serve as a minister. The other one was making me groan. Well, they, see, that's the thing, too. Here, here's, the, here's the caveat to that. Neither of them actually liked that yeah. you know, situation. The, the older lady with the cotton balls, she didn't specifically like the music. No. She just realized, hey, this is not what it's about. People have got to stop being that way about about uh and and i've been guilty of it too i'm I'm sure we all have at some point where it's like oh this does not suit me so uh i have a problem with it but then when you go back and think about it a little bit it's like wait it's not about me right about did it did it glorify god or didn't it glorify god is my pastor doing what um what's described throughout the new testament when paul is giving um giving descriptions of what a Christian leader is, does he fit that bill? And if he does, what argument do I have? Yeah. I have scripture ahead of me to, to guide that way. So I've got no leg to stand on. That's true. That's very true. And it's funny when Paul was writing that, he didn't say, uh, if your uh, leaders uh, listen to rock music, they can't be leaders. <laughs> if your leaders wear flip-flops, they can't be leaders. No, it was about the character of the leader and their their readiness to be uh, leaders based on uh, their standing with Christ. Right. And I don't, I don't think what Paul was even suggesting here was blind following of leaders either. Cause he, I know he says, obey your leaders and submit to them, but he's not saying, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and never question anything. Well, no, prior to all this, he lays out what that leadership is. And he says that that, that those leaders are more responsible for us than even we are for ourselves in that they are responsible for the whole. So it doesn't negate individual responsibility, which you were talking about the twisting of that verse. Sometimes it gets twisted the other way where Mm -hmm. people dump everything on the leader. Like they're responsible for people's bad decisions, which they're not. Right. Um, But it's, it's saying uh, that they're going to be even more accountable. Like you mentioned last week, 
you know, <laughs> uh, and my brain is uh, locking up on me again. So when you were talking about Elijah, mm-hmm. who were you talking about last week? Yes, Elijah. That's right. That's right. And Elijah was talking about the um, the being the leaders being separated from God. Right. Um, that's that's essentially what Paul's saying. He's saying that they're being held to that standard. So rather than us burdening them, we should realize that, and we should be grateful that we don't carry that same burden on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I don't do I don't do good enough of that. I mean, I I'm a very um, very pragmatic when it comes to certain things, and I'm very uh, I like to parse all the details. Yeah. And so like our, our pastor at my church is very big on encouragement. Um, very, very big on encouragement because he believes just like we're talking about here, that encouragement is, uh, is building up the body. That's, that's what encouragement is to him, the building up of the body. And that right. if you are going to be a discourager, your whole, your only intent is to be a destroyer. And so you're going to tear down the body. Now he's, not saying to not point out things that are wrong. Like if, uh, you know, if there's somebody that's doing teaching a class and they start teaching false doctrine, well, that's got to be addressed immediately. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's not like uh, put blinders on and pretend like nothing's happening, but it is, Hey, we're not going to complain about the stupid details, the stupid sure. stuff that doesn't matter, like the volume of the music and so on and so forth. And that's, that's really ticked some people off over the years. <sighs> So yeah. much so that there's a whole other church on the other side of town of former members <laughs> that they got built because they didn't like that. Over there but, at Second, Second Baptist Church. <laughs> and, <laughs> there might be a morning named Baptist, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, they, you know, but his ministry has thrived under that fact, under the mm-hmm. fact that, that he understands his position is, is that he is responsible for what he says and what he does to a T as representing the church as a whole well, before not only God, but before people. And if yeah. he falters, you know, so it's a, it's a big deal there. And I understand that. There's a lot of weight on on the on the minister, and I think, like you pointed out, I think a lot of that weight falls on them with regards to what they are teaching, um, and how they behave, and the type of example they're leaving, or leading rather. Um, and I think, you know, when I consider, you know, when it, when he says, you know, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, I think a lot of that also has to do with with how the leader chooses to lead, because they can set up an environment, right? that um, can facilitate the bad behaviors. Um, You know, if you have a pastor constantly getting up and preaching, and then somehow every sermon ends up working in um, the people who've ticked him off that have left the church. Yep. You know, is it any wonder then why everybody who's left in your church is constantly bad-mouthing one another or those who've left the church. Exactly. Exactly. You know, or, I've, I've done it, so I'm not saying that as pointing a finger. I've done it. Like, or you've, got, seen, you've seen the opposite as well, where the, that leader is a coward and doesn't and just, you know, shuts their ears and says, la, 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 la. 
yeah and, and allows no here no evil yeah and allows the the people with the eroding and destructive attitudes to just eat away at the foundation of the of the body like a cancer yep quite literally i want to share something on behalf of a pastor that i know oh uh, <laughs> yeah not you <laughs> but um he preached a sermon and uh, the week went by there wasn't much feedback about it until the following sunday right before he was about to go to the pulpit to preach someone approached him and unloaded a bunch of problems they had with the sermon that he preached the last uh, week of course and i i bring that up because we're all worshiping people that are leading worship they're worshiping people that do scripture reading they're worshiping the pastor is worshiping the sound guy yep. is worshiping so when you approach anybody in that way when they're preparing to worship it kind of throws them off and they're not able Absolutely. to enter that worship space and that's mm. that's a low blow to a pastor i oh, mean yeah. it's, it's 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 inconsiderate and like you're saying there's it's not like any of these men are above reproach but there's a certain way to approach that a loving way to approach that oh yeah dude i got well well, well think about this you, you know uh, when when peter uh went to peter peter had a good he his intention was good when he told jesus oh no lord no no you're not going to die i'm going to go in your place and what did jesus say get behind me satan (laughs) he he wasn't yeah yeah i mean he it wasn't it wasn't that paul's intent was he was well intended but he was interfering with the leadership role of jesus christ taking our place and Jesus wasn't going to have any of that as a leader, but <laughs> allow it. Yeah. Dude, I, I can remember a time, actually, it was at my the church, the First Baptist Church, where I made the lady mad because it wore flip-flops to church. I made another lady mad um, who was one of my, she was the teacher for my middle school youth class. And I apparently had made her mad because she had a little boy um, who was not quite in middle school yet, but she kept bringing him up to the youth class. And I had asked her, I said, uh, you know, he needs to stay down in his, his class. And yep, she kept bringing him up. And so finally I just, I walked him out and I said, if he's up here again, I'm going to have to ask you to no longer be a teacher. If you can't, um, you know, follow at a simple least rule. follow a simple <laughs> request here. Well, he came up again. So I pulled her out in the hallway and I said, all right, um, you're done hand your book over to that lady your assistant and she's going to finish class for you um and so she's like oh and so she stormed off went downstairs um and then when i came downstairs to go to church um she grabbed me and pulled me into an empty sunday school room and i was actually trying to get to the sanctuary because i was asked to to sing a worship song that morning um like the worship guy had asked me to do a special and she grabbed me and she pulled me in and she was like, how dare you? And she just started like going off on me. And I was like, ma'am, I said, if you want to talk about this, I've got Monday through Friday office hours that I am more than happy to discuss this with you. I said, however, I am supposed to be in the sanctuary right now to do a special and um, I can't deal with this right now. And so I just stormed out and apparently that was enough for her to almost leave the church. Um, but I totally get it, man. And that's not the only time I've had somebody nail me five minutes before the church. 
services are starting and I'm either supposed to get up and preach or lead worship or, or do anything like that, you know, lead prayer time. And I get somebody that walks up and, and I, I've, I've had pastors do it to me. And I'm like, dude, you of all people should oh, know how to do that. Yeah. You should know better than that. Yeah. Like I didn't do that to you, man. Don't do that to me. Come on. So um, it's, yeah, that is when you're in that, that state and frame of mind where you're trying to prepare your heart and your mind to lead other people. And then I honestly, I think whether they're wittingly or unwittingly, but I think they're being used by the, the enemy to try and derail what may be going on for that day, you know, cause they know that if they can create a little division, um, that, you know, that he can get a little foothold, uh, in the midst of the people. And, oh, absolutely. You know, I think that's why Absolutely. Paul talks so much about unity. I think that's why he talked about in Ephesians 4 about how the fivefold ministry exists to help, you know, equip and help bring people into unity, it says, in the knowledge of Christ. Um, and that's not the only place he talks about it. He talks about unity a lot. So does Jesus, um, which makes me wonder, you know, how bad an issue was unity back then you know, when they had we'll Jesus in their midst and how bad it is now, and we don't have him in our midst. Yeah, I mean, go back even further. Go back to the Psalms and you see David's uh, crying out because people, uh, he talks about the enemies against him and how they, they seek to curse me, turn the curses back on them. These are people that he's surrounded by. These aren't, these aren't outside forces. These were right. people within his, you know, little circle that he was dealing with. Sure. Which, which honestly, you know, if you take episode three in this episode, that's really what we're trying to get at. That's the heart of the matter. Is is unity? It, it's shepherd, it's shepherds. Be mindful of the sheep. Don't beat them. They're they're you've been entrusted with them. And sheep, don't bite the shepherd. You know, God has entrusted you to them. And um, you know, there's there should be this mutual understanding and respect and love and unity that is expressed between the two groups of people um, because I'm not talking just pastors, you know, they're not the only people that are leading churches. You have uh, teachers and uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists. And, um, you know, they all come together. And in, and more than that, you've got all sorts of people who are serving in different ways um, who, you know, it's, it doesn't matter their temperament. They might be the nicest people and able to get over anything. Um, but some days it's harder when it's clear that, that there is some division or brokenness happening uh, amongst the leaders and, and, and the, the church folks. And, and that's really what I had in mind when I started kind of thinking through these two topics of beating sheep and biting shepherds. It's, it's like, can't we just all get along? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, and I'm not trying well, to like frou frou lovey hippie stuff here. I'm just like, well, go, I mean, you're not. And, and, and it's, it has to be active. Like you have to actually think about it and do it because it, it's our, our nature is selfish. Our nature wants what we want, uh, our, our human sin nature. So our spiritual right. Godly nature is something that has to be practiced and worked. And so that starts with praying for our, for our leaders. Um, it starts with, ch with praying for our leaders so that we can have a change of heart 
right. as we approach them. Um, and I'll be honest too. I, I joke, I, I laugh about people that do things in goofy ways that, but I'm very careful about criticizing, um, uh, national leaders, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. uh, national church leaders, yeah. because it, it sets a bad precedent and it can actually be a hindrance to some, just because I don't respond to the way certain people do things doesn't mean that it doesn't bless someone else's life. And I don't want to be a, a stumbling block. For right. That. You know, and one of the things, a weakness. No, I, I absolutely. One of the things that are, that my church has been doing for the last several weeks um, has been when the worship is done and the pastor gets up to preach before he preaches, he's been praying for other area churches by name and pastors That's by awesome. name. In in front of the congregation, and he's doing it, and they've been doing it with the intention of and understanding that, you know, we are but one church of many in this area, and that if we are going to have any amount of impact in reaching our community, that we have to be able to get along, and that we have to support one another, and we have to cheer each other on, and you know, that may mean that just because that church down there doesn't, you know, believe 100% the way that I do, they might have some slight differences. That doesn't, that means that I still need to support and trust that God is using them. You know, Jesus, the disciples had the same similar problem when they saw some people that were going around and healing in the name of Jesus. And they were like, Jesus, do you want us to stop them? And, and Jesus was like, um, guys, you know, if they're, if they're not against me, then they're for me. So why would you stop them? Exactly. You know, I would, I would challenge us all um, in economics. It's always easier to, to deal with microeconomics rather than macro. When you, when you get into the deep stuff of macro, because it's such a, our, our minds have a hard time handling larger concepts. Yeah. So when we think about our churches and we think about Sunday schools or life groups or whatever, small groups, it's easier for us to think of our church and our small groups. And we know that our small groups are part of our larger church body, mm-hmm. but I wish we would start to think of our church as part of a, an even larger church body. Our church is almost like a small group to what is the church. Absolutely. And like, like your pastor's trying to incorporate and do there with you. Uh, you know, it's obvious that his intent is to say, Hey, we are the church. We are all brothers and sisters together. We've got yep. to stop acting like we're little cliques. Um, that, that we're competing businesses. Exactly. Exactly. Like we're four gas stations on the corner of an intersection. Yep. My prices are better than yours. I have better soft drinks. My coffee's better than yours. It's Hebrews. Well, Dollar, Dollar General's selling gas now, so they're all doomed. So. Are they really? In Alabama, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's going to be Random enough crap from Michael for the day. Because where I live, we have two gas stations, and then we have a family dollar and a dollar general, and that's all there is in our town. If they start serving gas at that dollar general, which I'll be highly surprised if don't, they do. Don't tell them. They'll put another dollar general if they know you've only got the one. Oh, no. we've That's the only one that's in our town that <laughs> within the city limits. Now, if you go five miles away from there, there's another dollar general. Um, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, but I mean, we have we've made competition out of our brothers and our sisters, 
and yep. we've we've turned them into the enemy basically because it's like well you know like i think about like our current my current church i won't name names people who know me know what church i go to but um you know they were accused several years ago by another area church just up the road of stealing their members you know and i have to wonder you know i've i've served in many churches and there have been new churches that have come to town and i don't recall any people from the other church wearing overcoats sunglasses and a hat walking into my church and going Psst, hey have you heard about this church you should leave yours and go to this one exactly they weren't they weren't dressed up like Boris and Natasha you know trying to we actually, catch the bullwinkle sorry we actually have uh, at our facility we have two other churches that meet at our facility one is a Swahili church and the other oh, nice. is a is a uh, I think it's a Laos church, but okay. um, but we make sure to that we're having corporate worship, you know, uh, especially during the holidays and things. Yeah, but they all understand we're part of the same body, and uh, right. you know, people celebrating in different languages and stuff. It's it's um it's great, but when you like you're saying, you step out of those church doors and you go to eat lunch, and you're pitching a fit because the person with a member sticker from the Methodist church is in front of you on the way to Golden Corral <laughs> or wherever you're going. I mean, <laughs> it's true. it sounds, it's, it's ridiculous, but that's how it works. You know, we know they're not on the way to Chick-fil-A. It's not open on Sunday. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Jesus chicken would never be open. On that's, that's right. Well, that's Whataburger now. Oh, watch out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whataburger. Ooh. Oh, don't. I was gonna say, don't get on Michael's Whataburger. He hasn't had one oh. since to Texas. So I'm actually no, I, don't get, I don't get to go. Oh, you gotta go, man. There's one near you. There's Where one. in Louisiana? <laughs> yeah, there's one in Louisiana. Gotta check oh, it out. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's not one in Indiana. Area that no. I What is in Indiana? No, but they... Besides corn. We have a Golden Corral, but it's quite disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Eating Golden Corral makes me an angry Christian. Oh, that's going to be the next episode. <laughs> Angry restaurants. Do you know where McCordsville is? Yeah, my wife's parents are from there. Oh, that's uh, my sales guy lives in McCordsville. So. Nice. There's not a Whataburger there, though. There's a nothing there. There's a barbecue place there. <laughs> now you're making me hungry. I just want you to know I did not have a good dinner. Our chicken was wrong. It was something wrong, very wrong about our chicken. So all I had was rice and green beans. So I'm like... Did your chicken oink or, or something? No, it... Was it medium well? No. Your chicken identified as a cow. That's what it was. It identified as the bottom of toilet. Um, <laughs> it tasted and smelled funny. And like, and that was not just my description. That was, that was my wife's description. She's like, don't eat the chicken. Something's wrong with it. So, and, she, and she's the one that made it. So, um, and now Brad identifies as hungry. Yeah. But now I identify as a hungry, hungry hippo. And, um, just so you know, I need to make it clear. My wife was not a bad cook and she didn't make bad chicken. The chicken was already wrong. So, uh, it just got more wrong when you cooked it. Oh, we think it might have gone bad in the freezer. That's something funky. Um, so y'all are making really hungry talking about all this. 
food. <laughs> oh, in fact, I'm going to leave here now and go get some food. Um, well, if you were at a Baptist church, you could have a potluck, but oh well. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Jonathan, I need you to cue, cue the cheeseburger song from Veggie Tales, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. I want a cheeseburger, my lovely, my lovely cheeseburger. cheeseburger. I'll wait, wait for, for you. <laughs> I'll wait for Sorry. All right. So to bring it back a little bit, um, if someone's going to criticize you, how would you prefer <laughs> them to approach you? Not after five, service. Not five minutes before or after service. Um, no, I would say they, for one, it would help them if it would help them process it if they held on to it for a little bit before they came to me. Like, like actually give themselves some time to think through it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, call me on a Monday and say, hey, you know, um, there's something I wanted to talk to you about, you know, that kind of came to my mind on Sunday. But, I, you know, I didn't want to, you know, disrupt the flow of things. But I, I really feel like I need to talk to you about this. And then let's go have a conversation. Um, I think that's, you know, you're being conscious. You're demonstrating to me that you you are aware that that you know, those, those moments are not the best moments. Just like it would be the same if I came up to them five minutes before they're supposed to get on a phone call with one of their clients, you know, and gave them bad news or chewed them out. And then they had to get on there and try to pretend like they're happy. You know what I'm saying? And so I think just not, not doing that, just giving it some time, really thinking through how you're going to approach me and don't come at me with, with guns a blazing and the walls already up either. You know, like, I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to come to you assuming that you intentionally tried to hurt me or wrong me. Right. And for those that, that might want to want to approach, ask yourselves two questions. The first one being, is my concern biblically uh uh relevant is is this something that that matters and i mean i'm not not belittling people's uh concerns about music and and such because it's it's you know those things do matter in some some instance but the first thing is it biblically relevant can can you go to the bible and and answer your own question your own concern uh, Hmm. there first and the second question is is this a selfish concern is this, is this just just something I just want because I want it, or or is this something that I really think would benefit the body to have change? Yeah. Um, and, and that and if you can answer that, if you can answer yes, it's something that I really believe would benefit the body to have change. Then absolutely, you know, then then approach it. Yeah, yeah. Or get up and say, I have a prayer request. <laughs> <laughs> I have a passive aggressive prayer request. Excuse me, Pastor. I have a prayer request. So I think the Lord is laying on my heart that we need to pray for our church and the direction we're going. Um, I really feel like the leadership is getting it wrong. But that may that may just be the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And so we need to pray about that. Oh man. Oh, and little Johnny is sleeping with little Annie. We need to pray about that as well. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> FYI, 
that's not the way to do it. That is totally a joke. But you don't think people Oof. do that. They do. Oh, they do. Yes, they do. I think my uncle put it this way. It's still gossip, if you, even if you package it as a prayer request. Um, right. That's, that's probably a topic for another episode, but that's not how you address sin. <laughs> uh, ooh, I'm trying to think of a good title for that. Anyway, I'll have to go back to the drawing board. Gossiping prayer requests. Um, <laughs> the praying gossiper. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, that would not be the ideal way. I think you're on to something, though, Michael. Definitely asking your questions about what this benefits and who this benefits and how this benefits. Um, because I think that, that that's something that even the Bible speaks to, you know, um, is to the idea or the concept of um, all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Exactly. You know, my you were talking about the fact that my dad's a pastor. My dad's a pastor of a small church. Um he doesn't have uh, backup in the way of uh, extra ministers involved and his schedule. uh, And he's got a lot of older folks, a lot of people in the hospital, out of the hospital, a lot of people that pass on and it's uh, it's a grueling schedule. So when, when he gets bombarded with other things that are just, just asinine, like the length of the bulletin, no joke, the length of the bulletin, like the length of the notes on the stuff like that, you know, or it's too small for people that have hard, bad eyesight to read or things like that. But, you know, okay, he's doing that. Is that really what the pastor needs to be dealing with and focusing on? The answer is no. no <laughs> Somebody I'm else pretty, step up and address that, you know? Pretty, I'm pretty sure that's why the disciples introduced what they call deacons. Exactly. They said, we are spending a lot of time doing all of these things when we need to be focused on equipping and, and training and preaching the gospel, but we're spending too much time patting people on the back and saying they're there. Yeah, but, but, in, in, but if he can do that, and then he gets bombarded with, with asinine things, you know, that takes away, and it really does hurt the ministry in the long run. It, like Paul said there, you know, yeah. what... what uh, well, how did he word it? Let me go back to it here. Okay, hurry up. There we go. Uh, he worded it as, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. No mm-hmm. advantage. So you're only hurting yourself when you think you're doing, when you think you're getting your way, when you're asking selfish concerns. Mm-hmm. He specifically says that would be of no advantage to you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's been an interesting night, and we have definitely probably gone over our time. Oh, I, I had will... something to say. Oh, what? I had something to say. Oh, okay. Say it. If you're listening to this podcast in the month of October, it is Pastor Appreciation Month, and this is a great episode to remind you about that. Ooh. Yeah. Good point. And Good I have time. something to say to that. Don't just wait till October to show your pastor appreciation. And I have something I as well. Don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Brian? <laughs> I'm going to read First um, Thessalonians chapter five, verses twelve and thirteen. Ooh, getting into Thessalonians. Yeah. Mm, now we're starting to talk eschatology. All right, cool. We ask you, brothers, to respect <laughs> those who labor among you 
and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. There you go. So word to the wise. Um, if you like this podcast, you should esteem us quite highly. <laughs> and you can do that by leaving us a five-star review on our Apple podcast. By the so, way, I need a new I need a new tagline. I, I can't be Michael the Wise because I've got my eleven year old walking around calling me Michael the Wise. <laughs> <laughs> like no son, no, <laughs> no, Daddy yeah. the Wise. So I keep I keep throwing things out. Like I was doing some uh, yoga stretches earlier. I was like, now I'm uh, Michael the needs to stretch. Uh, <laughs> I'm Michael the hungry. And now I'm Michael that can't get up. Um, no, that's a that's a good passage. That just echoes more of what Paul said in Hebrews for sure, yep. and um, just proving that he wasn't just saying it to the Jews; he was also saying it to the Thessalonians. Exactly. And he probably said it in other places that weren't written down because this was clearly a problem. <laughs> yep. Clearly a problem then, just as it is today. And isn't all that the, amazing? Yeah. 2000 years and we still are screwed up. So, yep. Can I say that on TV? I'm just kidding. If you were on TV, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant to say was, can I say that on a podcast? Um, <laughs> yes, now I have to use the little E that means explicit. Um, That's what? right. We use the P word. I might just do that just to see if it attracts more people because it says angry Christian and be like explicit. And then when they listen, they're like, I didn't hear anything explicit in there. They're like, no, we just wanted to see if you'd listen. Um, that's where you throw in the random bleeps. That's what you, that's what you need to do. Holy. <laughs> I just holy said water? Holy Spirit. Right? Why did you just bleep out Holy Spirit? <laughs> what the bleep? <laughs> you know, anyway. Um, yeah, so good, good topic. Good topic. Um, I do want to, as we close out, just remind everybody, you know, go find us on Facebook, Instagram, other places like that. So you can keep up with all of our wonderful content and stay up to date on when we're releasing our episodes, which is every second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Um, we're kind of in discussions because this is season one. We're debating on where we're going to end it and where we're going to start season two. Uh, but this much I know, you probably aren't going to hear much from us around Christmas, and that's because I'm going to be taking a lot of naps um, because my kids are exhausting at Christmas. And uh, so we, we're we trying to figure out December, and we'll figure out all that between now and then. We only have a month um, uh, to figure that out. But we are coming to that and we'll let you know how that's coming so you can you can check us out on facebook to keep up with all that the t-shirt store did i mention the t-shirt store we're gonna have so many cool t-shirts that you can buy um and the blog eagerfortruth.com and finally if there's any topics that you want to hear us discuss banter about or make fun of please let us know and we will be more than happy to add it to our growing list of things to discuss and um you can send that to us at angerchristianpodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook. You can just message us there or, you know, just tag us in a post and say, hey, angry Christians, I'd like to hear you talk about this and we'll see what we can do. Um, anyway, really appreciate you hanging in there. And as always, we just want to encourage you to not be angry or is it don't be angry? Yeah, don't be angry. 
I want to say a big thank you to Jonathan Hamlet, Michael Ledford, Brian Baldwin, and Robert Platt for taking this journey with me and helping me host the Angry Christian Podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for the use of his song, Angry Dance, which is featured as the opening song to this podcast. All other production and music was created by the Angry Christian Podcast team. And finally, our biggest thanks goes out to you, our listeners, for without you, this podcast would not be possible. God bless. Subsides and hope returns. I look to you, I look to you. When my heart